Hi guys, you are now listening to episode 98 of the No Shame In My Name podcast. I'm your host, Juliana, and today we're joined by a special guest. Hi. Hi, Sheila. How are you? Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And um, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. For those who don't know who you are, Sheila, can you share more about, yeah, just give us an introduction to who you are. So I'm a writer. I've just written a book that's just been published called What's in a Name. And I also am an academic. And before that, I used to make documentaries. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Of all the different mediums that you've explored, like from documentary, filmmaking, to radio, to general journalism. Do you have a a space where you've felt most at home creatively speaking creatively speaking probably writing because i um you know i worked in tv and i was always working for somebody on a commission that they would have decided and hired me so right you know the book is mine it's my own it was my idea and yeah this is the freest i've been it's taken me till my 50s to be free so yeah Oh, wow. That's amazing. You look amazing for your age, but I don't know how old you are, but you look amazing. (laughs) Thank you. I guess with that being said, I'll just launch into the first question, which I ask um, all my guests, which is what name are you bringing to the podcast today and why? Well, I'm bringing my own name, um, Sheila Banerjee, because, well, as I was saying, I've, I've written a book, so I've thought about it a lot. But also, it's not that it's a particularly spectacular name. In a way, it's like quite ordinary. But I think even the most ordinary names have got so much history and uh, feelings and ancestry and kind of things about religion and colonialism and class and caste and just so much much there's so much in our name so I'm I'm bringing my own name and to kind of use the title of your own book um what is in your name my parents were Indian uh, immigrants to this country they came over in the late 60s and I was born in 1967 this is a period of mass kind of migration from the Indian subcontinent and they were like many people they were trying to fit in my dad his name is Balaji Prashad Banerjee and it was constantly mangled made fun of and my mum was called Tripti which nobody could pronounce that th in Tripti she was always called Tripti which kind of made, made it sound quite ridiculous so I think they were really trying to fit in so they gave me this name that they felt would work in both cultures so I was given this name Sheila which was a very typically English name so S-H-E-I-L-A is the English spelling and uh, it also is a Bengali name it's a sign this uh, for me this hybrid name of how they were trying to fit in and this wasn't an easy time to be an immigrant to be an immigrant living in in, uh, they were, li- you know, in the late 60s, they were living in Southall and in other bits of West London. Um, you know, there was a big Punjabi population in Southall and there was a lot of hostility.
hostility towards Asians at the time. And so the, my name almost is a, is a sign of um, their, their kind of lives as immigrants trying to fit into this quite hostile uh, new society. So that's partly what's in my name. I could obviously talk a lot more about it. Well, my surname is Banerjee. And um, the thing is, it's if you have a surname like Banerjee, it's a Bengali surname. To begin with, it's a foreign name. And I was growing up in Hayes in the 70s. And so I'm, my surname immediately marks me out as a children of immigrants. And this was a, I used to go to this primary school called Wooden Park Junior School. And there I was with Cooks and Davises and Smiths. And, you know, my name marked me out. And it was a name because of the general environment that was around in Britain at that point in time, it was a name I was never comfortable with because it signalled that I was Asian, that I was different. As the 70s wore on, the National Front got really strong in in places like Hayes and um, there were a lot of attacks in Southall, which was a neighbouring area with a big Indian population of Punjabis. And we were living next door to it where often the people that were carrying out those attacks lived. And so it was never uh, a comfortable place to live and to carry around a name such as Banerjee, which marks you out as foreign. Just out of curiosity, like, is it because of this sort of context that names held a significance um, for you, like, in terms of how people responded to yourself, your family and your community? I think what it was that when I went back to college to study and I remember like sort of one day I think I was in a bit of a pouring seminar and I was thinking about my name, you know, I love words and these two or three words that we carry around, all of us, they're so dense with meaning. But also what I didn't say about Banerjee was that um, it's not my real name. Banerjee is a uh, name that's been changed by the British when they ruled over us in India, and in particular, their stronghold and the first place that they really had a big presence was in Bengal, which is where my family's from. Our name originally was Bondabadthaya, which the British couldn't pronounce. And so they just changed it because they couldn't be bothered. And because they had the power to, so they changed it from Bondabadthaya to Banerjee. And in that little thing, that little act of changing my name, there is so much history about colonialism, about power, about how that power uh, was enacted in Bengal, how my ancestors were also part of that as well, because um, upper upper caste Brahmins, which is what we were, often colluded with the British, did deals with the British, and that's how the name got to be changed and how, you know, it shows of the contact there was between certain upper class sections of Bengalis and British, the British colonial rulers. But also in the end, it's about the fact that we were colonially subjugated. Otherwise, they wouldn't dare change our name. So there's a lot in there. There is a lot in there. Wow. Incredibly, like you say, rich and dense. Yeah. Um, Do you feel empowered? knowing the original name of your family and how did you know is there like a record of 
what the your original family name was in a way so in in india the n- names are really important so even though there might not be i don't know if there's written records there probably are but because we're immigrants you know only really know as far back as my grandparents and maybe their parents but names are incredibly important in the caste system. And the caste system is something I completely abhor, right? Just to say, I really hate it. It's a really quite a, a sort of, well, it's a very in- extremely cruel system of social segregation. So you have kind of, in a, in a simplistic way to explain it, there's, this, there's four main castes. And your surname denotes where you are in that caste system. So Banerjee or Bondobadthaya, it signifies that you are from a Brahmin family and that name would have passed down through centuries. And the, the, the kind of story is, I mean, I don't know how much of it is true, is that the, the Banerjees, the Mukherjees, the Chatterjees, uh, the Gangulis, these are names of a particular subsect of Brahmins. These were four or five priests that apparently came over, so legend has it, in the 8th century to Bengal to kind of reinforce and strengthen Hinduism, which was being threatened by the rise of Buddhism at the time. And the descendants of those priests are supposedly the current day Banerjee's, Chatterjee's, Mukherjee's, and there's kind of intense snobbery around it. So they, in my parents' time, if you're a Banerjee, you would only want to marry another person from that particular subsection with a similar, often with a similar surname. So that history, I know, even though there's no written records, it kind of has gone on for centuries. And that the name is used as a really rigid tool of, of social classification and oppression. Um, and it, it's not it's not a particularly nice history in a way. I love some of my Hindu heritage, but that aspect of it I really loathe. Can you talk to us through like the journey of because it seems like growing up you had this rich context of what names meant to you um, individually and then also to like a wider community but can you talk us through like the journey of writing the book what's in the name yeah so I, I I started thinking about it like I say I think when I was I was still teaching in academia and because I because I really I loved doing I did a PhD in English literature and I love words and just what I really liked about studying English was really getting into the kind of sentences and words and the associations and the history behind certain words and the and, and how people thought of them in that society and so names are really and can really illustrate what society is like and what how it functions like I said with with my Banerjee surname it tells a whole story after leaving academia I went back to my kind of almost like my original job not tv but into journalism because I thought I can write and so I started writing articles and I wrote an article called what's in a name and it went down really well and I wrote it for the observer and out of that I got a book deal to write about both my name and I decided that I really wanted to write all so about some of my best friends' names because when I thought about it, their names were amazing. You know, my friend Liz Hussain um, is mixed um, mixed race Indian and English. My friend Denise is half uh, Sephardi Jew, French-speaking mother and Sri Lankan 
Buddhist Sri Lankan. And so I thought I would I put in a proposal and got a deal to write this book about me and my friends and looking at our names and our families and, and what what the experience of living with these names has been like for us. Was there any particular things that you discovered about your close friends? Yeah, I mean, like so many things, so many things like, uh, you know, about my friend Marcella Gatsky's Jewish family history, um, about my friend Liz Hussein, about her Hussein family history and the, and the incredible stories behind those. Like, for example, with my friend Liz Hussein, I, I and this is my ignorance on my part, I'd always kind of thought she was she was kind of fine being mixed race. And in a way, when I was a 16 year old, I was slightly envious of that because I didn't want to be Indian. I wanted to be as English as possible. But actually, behind her name is a whole story of a, a kind of disconnection from the Hussein side of her family because she never understood it because her father, John Hussein, who gave her the surname, never talked about his own Indian family and his own Hussein father who had gone, um, who had basically died during partition. And it was never talked about in Liz's family. And so so together we uncovered what had happened and the and the sort of terrible violence that was around in India during partition and how her, her same grandfather had got caught up in that and how her grandmother Olive, who was an English working class woman who married a Hussein, was um, never saw her husband again. And that story of her grandmother and her grandfather who broke all the taboos and got married and then was separated by war and partition. So, yeah, it was an incredible journey with all of my friends, really. Was it, um, how did you go about it? Was it like a formal kind of interview, like a sit down well, this is the thing they're my they're, so the, the book is about five friends four of them are really close friends the fifth is a friend but he's also was my very good friends uh is my very good friend's brother-in-law so um particularly with my four female friends i mean can you imagine writing a book about four of your best friends so it's really hard because even though you love them dearly you're kind of worried about you know what they'll think of what you write your friendship's got to survive this process so we agreed well first of all I didn't know it was going to get published I you know I'd been approached by an agent to turn my initial article into a book so I said to them look I'll interview you I've been approached to write a book proposal you know it probably won't go anywhere um, but if by any chance and it's a one in a million chance that I get a book deal I'll come back to you and I'll ask you if you want to take part in it and we'll do more interviews so I didn't really think anything of it and they didn't either so we did the interviews I wrote my proposal and then suddenly I got this book deal and it was real and their stories would be in a book. And so it's a process of doing loads of interviews and doing, you know, writing a draft, which is really hard because I know that they'll be reading it and you're writing about your best friends. And that's quite an odd process. Um, so, but we agreed that I would show them a draft when I had it and they would be able to tell me anything that they didn't like, which they, there wasn't a lot. To be honest, they were incredible. They were so supportive. You know, we made a few changes, but on the whole, I think because it was about their families and about their feelings. And like I say, about kind of going through 
um, being in this society with all its race history, um, it was also quite sort of empowering in a way to see their stories in print, I think, I hope anyway. Um, and they, they were really supportive. And in the end, they loved what I'd written. So that was such a relief, <laughs> such a relief. Um, so yeah, uh, that was that was the sort of bare bones of how I went about it. What is it? How does it feel to know that your name and the names of your closest friends will now be locked into some form of written um, piece? I know I studied a lot. I've always loved books, but I don't think I realised till I wrote, you know, I was writing this book that how much you rely on what's gone before you to carry on writing the histories of people. So, for example, I grew up in Hayes and there was there were uprisings in Southall. People were killed in Southall. It was a really turbulent, quite a vicious time. And yet this wasn't the history of us as Asians, of the resistance to the racism. There wasn't a kind of book that I could turn to that I really needed. And weirdly... Like one has suddenly come out and it's been a, like a historical account of what went on in Southall and, and nine other uh, black and Asian t- uh, important events and resistances. But there, And I suddenly realised I want a book that's got our history and to actually be part of writing that history, not just of mine, but also of my friends, my Greek Cypriot friend, you know, whose father owned a fish and chip shop, like so many small business owners who are Greek Cypriot who came over to write a bit of that history, to write a story of two stories of being mixed race in this country in the 70s and 80s and what that was like. It feels like it feels like writing a book is, you know, there's something about it where it's an, uh, it's written down and collected and some, and, and I've been part of that process that gets stretches back so many kind of years and so many hundreds of years. And so, yeah, it's, it feels like an amazing thing. And also I have to say, it's really exciting mm. seeing the book in bookshops, like it's in the window um, at the moment at Waterstones Piccadilly. And then, um, Somebody spotted it in foils this morning in a kind of on a display stand and it's like it's mm. in the world. Wow, that's amazing. Well, yeah, congratulations again. Amazing. The I've I've read just a bit of the beginning and just the way you give like um different examples, like it's not just focused on you know names of second generation immigrants, but you also go into details about um biblical names or conventionally British names. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wanted to I wanted to say that our as ordinary people, all our names and have got histories in them and we've all got, you know, all our histories are important. That that's kind of what I wanted to say a bit with the book. If you could, I think you've kind of already answered it, but why should people read this book or why should people care about about names and their names and the names of their children or the names of their forefathers or ancestors and grandmothers? I think because because a name tells you so much, it may seem like something so sort of everyday and you just use it all the time and you know, when you're filling in forms or, you know, on the phone or whatever. Um, but 
as I said, you know, it's like, it's almost like it's ready to be unfurled. It's like a historical record ready to be unfurled. You know, if I sort of ask you why you're called what you're called, it immediately starts telling somebody, you know, the history of your parents at the time that they named you, where they were. You know, your surname might contain, you know, um, traditions of patriarchy you know why is it that we always carry our father's surnames you know that says so much about the gendered nation nature of our societies you know there's gender there's country there's country of birth there's migration there's religion there's just so much information packed into our names and i think that's what i was really intrigued by and telling a story a personal story of of how all this is contained in sort of mine and my friends names well yeah to whoever's listening i (laughs) urge you to pick up a copy of this book what's in the name oh thank you We have a segment where we ask our guests to share parts of their language or culture or food, if there's any foods that they might recommend. I was just wondering if one, you could teach us about anything related to the culture that you grew up in and so loved. Um, So I grew up, uh, you know, as I was saying, mainly over here, but also going back to Chondonogur, which is a, uh, it's quite a big town now but it was felt very small town West Bengal when I was growing up we spoke and still speak Bengali I could just say a few words in Bengali like how are you which is Tumi Kamon Atu and one of my favorite phrases which is like what you would use if you're trying to hurry someone along uh, would be Jol Jol Jotpot and what I really like about that is that the language is really rhyming um, you often just rhyme things slightly randomly like saying Gibil Fibil instead of table like to indicate there's more than one table you might go debil fibil like illo milo means a kind of a, a sort of jumble everything's in a jumble it's mm. illo, lots of little rhyming words so I really like that about Bengali Can you talk to us about some of your favourite Bengali foods or ingredients? One of my favourite um, base spices is our version of five spice. It's called bach, which is five, and furun, which is spice. So five spices. And that is, now let me see if I can remember it. It is fennel, methi, kalujire, which is nigella seeds or kalonji, cumin, and the final one, I can't remember the fifth one. No, anyway, it's in shops and it's known as bach furun, and we just use that basically in absolutely everything. So uh, I'm about to make a big marrow curry tonight using bach furun, onion, chili, bit of turmeric and poppy seeds. Wow, that sounds so tasty. (laughs) I think it'll be good. I'm quite looking forward to it myself. Oh my gosh, thank you so much um, for sharing not only 
um, your name, but the stories of, yeah, the people that you've also interviewed in this wonderful book, What's in the Name? Oh, so, no yeah. problem at all. It's been a pleasure. Do you have any like socials where people can like follow you? Or yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm on Instagram. I am Sheila Banerjee Words. Um, and so that's S-H-E-E-L-A, Sheila, and then Banerjee, B-A-N for November, E-R-J-E-E, words, all one word, Sheila Banerjee words, that's my Instagram handle. I think if you Google my name, uh, just as general articles will pop up and stuff. So, yeah. Mm people will be interested but yeah it's been fun writing it so I hope people enjoy it amazing do you have any like talks or like panels or events yeah I'm speaking at um I'm doing a couple of talks actually I'm doing I'm speaking at Battersea Bookshop and I'll be talking with um somebody really interesting actually she's got an interesting name she's called Lucy Fulford which you would assume is just a very English name but actually she's half Ugandan Asian and she's written a really brilliant history of the Ugandan Asian exodus when they were forced mm-hmm. to flee. Thousands of Ugandan Asians were forced to flee um, because of the dictator Idi Amin. Um, and so she writes about that interspersing her historical account with the personal story of her family. I also did an episode of Radio 4's Word of Mouth with Michael Rosen, um, which was really interesting because I don't know if you know, he's also of Jewish heritage and there are loads of parallels with my friend Marcel Legatsky, who I write mm. about. They're both from pre-Jewish families that sort of had to escape the pogroms in pre-revolutionary Russia. So, yeah, um, there's a lot out there. Wow, so much to get into. I'm going to yeah, tune in. Yeah, and it's brilliant coming coming on this show because I'd love to connect with people that are interested in names, interested in sort of, you know, the multicultural, incredible histories of the first, second, third generation of, um, you know, immigrants in this country. So it's it's great. Awesome. Thank you so much. And actually, I did. I will say I did read the article that you wrote about how you named your daughter. Did you? Yeah, you've given her a beautiful name. Thank you for listening to the No Shame in My Name podcast. Until the next time, bye. forget to like share and follow our content we're on instagram at no shame in my name pods